want to preach to you tonight on something that I believe will help you, uh, not only tonight, but it'll help you in the days to come. I'm going to teach or preach tonight about the, the truth, the truth about temptation. I believe there's a lot of misunderstanding about temptation, and there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, we have a lot of ideas about what temptation is and how to deal with it, uh, and the world has their ideas, but there's no place we can go to find help and to find understanding that's better than the Word of God. And uh, I'm thankful for the Bible. It's a very practical book. And, and it's amazing how if you'll study it, uh, we were mentioning earlier about studying. When you study the Bible and you're committed and you're, and, you're, and you're faithful in studying the Bible, you'll learn that God will give you something for every trial and every trouble of your life. And so let's look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. We're just going to read one verse. I've been encouraging you to memorize these scriptures that we've been preaching from, these one verse. Um, these, these, I don't know what, you, how to, what to say, but these verse, these are special verses to me um, that the Lord spoke to me and helped me with in my life. Um, and so I do encourage you to do that. And if you're doing that or you're trying to do that, um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 would be the one tonight. Um, if you do nothing else other than get you a 3 by 5 card and write it out, and put it in a put it somewhere. Put it on your refrigerator. Uh, look at it and, and, and meditate on it. Uh, it'll be a help to you. But First Corinthians chapter ten and verse thirteen says this: There no temptation hath taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to to above that that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able. To bear it, Father, I thank you for this evening, and I do thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, and how He comforts our heart. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that tonight we're here, we stand before this congregation, and we know in our heart, Lord, that we've been saved by Your wonderful grace. And Lord, I know tonight that You've brought me here for this moment and for this time to deliver this message to these people. And I pray You would help me, Lord, and You give me Your strength and Your power, Your wisdom, Your understanding, and allow me to communicate these truths to these that are here tonight. Lord, as you've communicated them to my own heart. Lord, I pray you'd help us. We all need help. And Lord, we all struggle with temptation. And Lord, we need to learn how to deal with it and how to overcome it. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to all have a desire tonight to learn these truths about temptation so that we can be vessels of honor. And Lord, be, be people that are pleasing to you and honor you and win victory in your name and for your glory and honor. We love you tonight, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. The truth about temptation. We know tonight that we're not tempted by God. The Bible says that God tempts no man to sin. And so the first thing, and this is just introduction, is we cannot blame God for temptation. Right. Have you ever, under, have, do you understand that there's a something in our nature, there is something in human nature that wants to put blame on other people. Now this goes back to Genesis chapter 3. What did Adam, what did Adam tell God? That woman, that woman that you gave me. And men have been blaming the women ever since. I can at least get a head nod from the ladies. Trying to help y'all out. I know it ain't Mother's Day, but I'm trying to help y'all out. But have you ever noticed, what did Aaron do? When Moses went up on the mountain and, and got the commandments from God and he's coming down and, uh, and Joshua said, Look, Moses, that don't sound like church music down there. That sounds like what they listened to at the, at the, at the pool hall on Friday night. And, and, and so he said, it's the sound of war. 
And they got down there and Moses had a golden calf. And what were they doing? They were drinking and eating and making merry days, dancing and carrying on, having a big time. And oh, Aaron, they done nominated Aaron to be the pastor of the new contemporary church there in the wilderness. And and old Aaron was having a time, you know, cutting a rug, two-step, do-si-doing. And, and Moses confronted him about it. And, and, my, and Aaron said, I don't know what happened. He said, we just put the gold in the fire and the calf come out. Uh-huh. Yep. Am I right? right? Now, look, we look at that. And I'm going to say a little bit more here in a minute. But the truth of the matter is that, that is our nature. Our nature is to put blame on others for our own failures when it comes to temptation. And so we have to be mindful of that. And, and I, want to, I want us to look quickly tonight, and I'm just going to give you three things about temptation. In verses 1 through 11, we find that there's some examples that we can look to when it comes to temptation. I thank God for His Word, don't you? Amen. I want to say I love the Bible. Uh, you know, Sunday I had the you know twenty years in the ministry, and I want to say I love the Word of God. Amen. And you say, "Well, you're a preacher." I know some that I don't know how much they really love it. But tonight, the Bible is a wonderful book, and why do I love the Bible? Because the Bible is true, right. and God, in the Word of God, tells the truth about everybody in it. Right. One of the great proofs of inspiration is that the men that wrote the Bible wrote about their own failures. If I were to write my biography, there's a lot that I'd leave out. Anybody else? I mean, there's a few sections that would be cut and say, hey, they don't need to know about that, you know. That's, but the truth is that God tells us the truth. And, the, and, and what Paul says, look in verse number 6. He says, now these things were our what? Examples. Our examples. Verse number 11. Now these things happened unto them. Those He's talking about the children of Israel for in samples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. I've had Baptist preachers tell me you don't need to preach or study the Old Testament. I've had them tell me that with their own lips. But how come God says those things are for our admonition. And for, so what I'm saying when, when the truth about temptation is tonight that we do not, now with this COVID thing, there's no example in the past history of how to deal with this in, in, as a preacher. I, that's one of the hard things about. We've got no example to follow. But when it comes to temptation, we've got an example. Did you know that the greatest teachers are able to give examples? That's the, the best way to communicate a truth is to use an example. That's what Jesus did when he taught parables. He used examples. And so we have some examples to look to. God told us the truth about his people so that we could learn not only from their successes, but from their failures. Abraham Lincoln said this. He says, a wise man learns from his own mistakes. But a wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. And so there's an example. Paul said twice, these are an example. We have an example. We need to look to those examples. And the first thing is in verse 6, he says this. Well, if you want it in your own time, you can read verses 1 down through verse number uh, 4. And what you find in those first four verses is how favored they were. How blessed they were. How that God brought them through the Red Sea, baptized unto Moses in the Red Sea. He fed them. He, he gave them water out of the rock. 
He did all those things for them. But despite all that, they still failed in temptation. And so tonight, no matter how good God's been to us and how much we've seen him do, we don't need to think that we are exempt from being fallen to temptation. If the children of Israel could fall to temptation when their feet, listen, their feet walked on the dry ground, but they still doubted God. They drank that water. They didn't read about it. They actually saw it with their own eyes. And they doubted God. They sat back on that death angel, that night of Passover, when the death angel passed through. They heard the cries of the children. They heard, they saw it with their own eyes, and yet they still failed in temptation. And tonight, all of us can fall as well. He talks about we need to be careful, their example, when it comes to wicked wants. In verse number six. Now these things are, were our examples to listen or, or to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now, and that, if you want to look up what he's referencing here, it's in Numbers 11, verses 4 through 6. Lust, listen, lust is not, you know, we've categorized lust as only one thing. But lust, he didn't say after, he didn't say they lusted after women or they lusted after men. They said they lusted after evil things. You know what, what, what many of us fall in temptation is to things. Things. Wanting something. Now, what is lust? Here's lust, simply defined. Lust is me wanting anything that God doesn't want for my life. I could lust after a job. I could lust after a, a material possession. I could lust after a recognition and, and, and honor and praise. Uh, I can lust. I can, there's a lot of things that uh, we can lust. And God says we need to look at their example and we need to understand that when we fall in love with things that God doesn't want for our life, it does not end well for you and I. Right. Wants. You know, the flesh is never satisfied. And the more you have, the more you want. Do you know the greediest people I've ever met are the richest people I've ever met? I mean it. They want more and they want more and they want more. I believe it was John Rockefeller right before he died, the richest man in the world. If he, in his day and time, if you took his wealth then and you put it into days of money, he'd make Bill Gates look like a pauper. And he worked, he worked until the last week of his life, every day. And somebody said, Mr. Rockefeller, he says, when will you quit? When will it be enough? He said, I've got one more deal I've got to make. I've got one more deal. And listen, I'm saying things are not evil. You understand? And that, an inanimate object, a TV cannot be evil in and of itself. It's what you watch on it. You understand? A thing, an inanimate object, if you look at that word thing, it's talking about an object or a place. Or, and, and I'm saying in and out, what makes them evil is when it's something that God doesn't want for my life and I fall in love with it and it consumes my mind, it consumes my heart. And the children of Israel did that very thing. They began to lust, they began to want, they began to desire things that God did not want them to have and it did not end well for them. Right. I wish I had time, and I probably should take time 
to go through this carefully, and, and, but you can in your own time. But we need to watch our lust, wicked wants. In verse 7, verse 7 it says, Neither be ye idolaters. He says here that they, the children of Israel now, basically what we're reading is a list of, their, of, their, of where they failed in temptation. So not only did they fail when it comes to wicked wants, but they, 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 they had wicked worship. Again, I've done mention the golden calf. It says in verse number 7 that they rose, that it is written that the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And listen, this wicked worship involved this golden calf. They, and, and where did they get the pattern? Where did they get the idea for a golden calf at? Egypt. You see, their worship was wicked, but their worship was worldly. They saw, they remembered. And by the way, we need to be careful what we expose ourselves to. We need to guard our minds and our eyes and our ears and our heart because, listen, they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And they fashioned a golden calf uh, as the Egyptians had. Uh, they wanted to be like Egypt uh, because they had been there and they thought they had their worship become worldly. And by the way, these things lead, these, are, these sins lead to another sin. The lust and then the worship. And so tonight in our worship, we need to make sure that we worship God. Uh, when we talk about worship, we're talking about affection and love. Uh, listen, there is something wrong with us if we love anything more than we love God. Right. You may not have a golden calf hide in your closet at home, but there's probably an idol somewhere in the heart of every believer. Remember when Jacob got right with God and he left to go to uh, go back to Bethel and his wife, what did she bring? She brought her little idols with her. And, and, and what did Jacob do with those idols? I believe it's in Genesis 34 where he said, now arise and let us go to Bethel. He said, and put away your strange gods. He took them idols and he buried them there. He dug a hole and he buried them. And listen tonight, the only, the only thing we can do with our idols is bury them in the blood of Jesus Christ and say, no more will I carry these little idols around. Hey, no more. It could be our children. It could be our career. It could be a sport. It could be a hobby. It could be our own ideas. There are some people that worship their own ideas. And you'll know how to know if they worship their own ideas as if you disagree with their idea. These liberals worship liberalism. That's why if you if you even, you know, they're all for free thinking until your free thinking don't line with their thinking. Right. You wanna know why? Because when you challenge them or you disagree with them, you are degrading their idol. And tonight we must be careful when it works. Then verse 8, wicked works. He says, neither let us commit fornication. Numbers 25 and verse 4. You can read that. They was almost to the promised land. They was almost to the promised land. And they fell into, they fell into fornication. They, they didn't fall into it. They went into it. Fornication, and we need to know this tonight, is any type of activity, sexual or sensual, outside the bonds of marriage. The Bible says that marriage is honorable. And the bad undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. We are living in an amoral society. It's not immoral, it's amoral. 
There is no morals. It's not that we have bad morals. Or it's that we have no morals. And we're living in a society of relative truth. That, that our circumstances determines what's right and wrong. And we as a church must stand on what the Bible says and know that we must be guard ourselves against the temptation to accept and to endorse things such as this. You can read in Numbers 25 what happened the Moabites took some of their prettiest daughters. They were the daughters of the princes of Moab. And they dressed them up and painted them up and they sent them into the camp. Now, the Moabites had been, they hired Balaam, the false prophet. But, 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 bro, brother, brother David, Balaam could not even pray judgment on them. He was a prophet, a man of God. But then wicked women destroyed them. Now follow me. I want you to see this, and I'm done. I'm, I'm moving. I gotta move. When they came into the camp, you know who they who they went after. You can read it in your own time. The leaders. They come after the sons of the princes of Egypt of Israel. Now follow me. I've seen it. You've seen it. The people that fall into this sin more than not, more times than not, are some of the leaders in the church. Leaders, and, and, and so I'm saying this is, when it comes to temptation, we need to know this. Listen, Satan always sends his best after God's best. And so if you've been given much, if you've got a family that loves you and loves God, if you've got a home, if you've got all these things that God's done for you and, you, and you've lived for God and you've walked with God and you've loved God and been faithful to Him and His Word and His will and His house, you need to be on guard and understand that you say, oh, I'm past all that. You better be careful saying that. You, I've seen men and women married for 30, 35 years and all of a sudden a hag comes along or some man comes along and their marriage is done their home is done why? because they fell into those wicked works I'm going to say this and I'll move along the Bible says every man that commit a sin every sin that man committeth is without his body save fornication and it says he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body there's something different about fornication because when you commit fornication, the person it hurts the most is you. These kids don't understand it, but I want to tell them, and, and maybe they don't listen. Maybe they will. I've had people tell me that. They're not going, they're going to do their own thing. Listen to me. You can do your own thing, but you'll pay for it for the rest of your life on earth. Amen. You can be forgiven. You can be, God can forgive you. He can have mercy on you. You can be restored and be made right, but the, the images and the thoughts will scar you and follow you till the day you die. Amen. If you'll study this, when they come together with these Moabite women, you, you, you do a little homework and the I'm Bible study, methods of Bible study. Find out the, the children that come from that, what they've done. You know what they were? They were a perpetual enemy to the children of Israel for generation after generation after generation. Oh my. Verse 9 Neither let us tempt Christ. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpent. If you want to read that, it's in Numbers, Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 5, where it says they were discouraged in the way, they got weary and tired, and they began to doubt. 
They begin to doubt. So we see that they fail to wicked worries. Worries. Now, follow me. I read this years ago, and it really convicted me, and it still convicts me today. The Bible says that which is not of faith is sin. I'm a natural warrior. I am. But that does not excuse me to just worry. The Bible says be careful for nothing. That word careful doesn't mean you don't care. It means to be anxious, to be, to be, to be upset, to be worried. Now follow me this. Follow me real quick. Doubt is sin. Worry is sin. We can't just accept and say, oh, that's just the way I am. I'm just a worrier. I'm just a doubter. It's sin. So what must we do with doubt? What must we do with worry? What must we do with anxiety? We must confess it as sin and repent of it as sin. That changed my life when, I, when, I, when God showed me that. I'm telling you, it changed my life. And I've not apprehended, so I'm not sitting up here tooting my horn, patting myself on the back. I worry every day. But I've asked the Holy Spirit to convict me of it and, and help me to confess and say, Oh God, I'm sorry I'm down you. I'm sorry I don't trust you. I'm, and listen, it makes life much better when you treat it as such. Amen. There's a lot of people in this room that if, if there's certain things that you would never be tempted to do, you wouldn't even give it a thought, but worry is something none of us are exempt to. And maybe right now it's not something, but you let the right phone call come across the line or get the right letter in the mail, or go see the right doctor, get the right report, and then that's when doubt and worry creeps in. Verse 10 and 11, it says, Neither murmur ye as some of them <coughs> also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these happened to them for examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends come. We need to watch wicked words. You read about it, they were a murmuring bunch of people. You know what murmuring means? It means to mutter in a low tone. My mom and dad had the best hearing. I don't know what, how you grade hearing. I know you got 20-20 vision, you know what I mean? But I'm talking about me and my brother. And they'd hear every word we said. You know, what, I want to ask something as a parent. What do we expect after we beat the devil of our children? Do we expect them to be singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound? Praise the Lord, you know, pray. You know, I, I don't, and I mean, you, you get a tell of them. I wish I could leave this stupid place. I hate this house. Oh, 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 really? Okay, back up. You don't want to live here. You hate this place. I'm going to whoop you again. <laughs> or, or, you know, you know there was, it was years before my dad let me get on the snapper. I had to use a 20-inch Murray push mower. And we had this, this uh, the power line to our house never got buried. It, <laughs> illegal as all get out, but. I don't know why. He just didn't want to pay somebody to do it, I guess. He thought he'd save a little money by letting it lay out on the ground. And so we had, he, and, and so he was scared to death of that power line. I hope you don't listen to this message. You'll probably get mad at me. i got to be careful. They're, I think they're about half mad at half time because they're hearing all the things. But anyway, and, we, and so my daddy being the, I'm not going to say worried, the most, the, the cautious man that he is, I'd have to push my like 50 foot on either side of that electric line because he wanted to make sure nobody got near and, 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 and he'd tell me, go out there and get push more and mow that. And I'd say, why can't I run this? Why can't I ride the snapper? And I'll tell you why you can't ride the snapper, because you ain't old enough to ride the snapper. I ain't going to let you ride the You know, I was dying. I, you, you think something was wrong with the kid. I was, one of my dreams as a child was to be able to ride that 28-inch snapper with a steering wheel like that. Amen. It had that clutch. You could pop it and do wheelies. Uh, Don't tell him I've done that. <laughs> I thought, yeah, you didn't want me to ride this thing. I'm going to show you something. 
How many parents have ever had your kids murmur? Amen. But how many times have we murmured towards God? You know what? He understands. And, and, if you, and now follow me. We better be careful with our words when we're physically tired, emotionally stressed, because they, listen, this is what they said. Would to God we had died in Egypt. And then later on they said, would to God we died in the wilderness. And guess what happened? They died in the wilderness. Watch your words. So there's examples to look to. And I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm just saying these things were for our example. So next time you're tempted, go back and think about in the Old Testament somewhere. I guarantee you you'll find it somewhere. <clears throat> there's an examination we must learn from, though, in verse 12. <clears throat> Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. So when it comes to temptation, <clears throat> remember the examples to look to, but there's an examination we need to learn from. I want to ask you something tonight. Why do we worry so much about what everybody else is doing? You want to know why? Because, Brother Zeke, as long as I'm giving my attention to you, my flesh is going unattended. I've got a three-year-old. You better watch her all the time. I believe it was last Wednesday night. I was preaching, and the back door swung open. She had done escape from Alcatraz. And she, and she, and she swung it open, and when she opened, she realized she, she thought she, was, she opened the wrong door. Her eyes come out there and she closed it back. But you know our flesh is a lot more dangerous than a three-year-old. And Brother David, I believe the devil wants us to worry about everybody else so much because as long as I'm... What's Brother Aaron doing? What's he thinking? What are he doing? Why'd he do that? I'm not worried about myself. You see, we're too busy looking out the window, watching what everybody's doing, walking by, and the devil's coming in the back door all the time. And so he says... He says, wherefore, in verse number 12, let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed lest he fall. There's the place we need to examine. Look what he says, thinketh, thinketh. What place should I watch the most close? My mind. My mind. Our minds are wonderful, wonderful tools. The, the mind of man, the mind that God created is more powerful than any computer there's ever been. Think about it. But it's also dangerous if we don't watch and we don't guard it. The problem to examine, he says, but him that thinketh he standeth. That's pride. Pride is the problem. Every one of us think more of ourselves than we should. In Psalms 40, everybody loves Psalms 40. I love Psalms 40. This poor, he says, uh, uh, I was in a horrible pit in the mire clay, and, yet, and he inclined to me, heard my crown, let me put my feet. You know, we, I mean, I've, I've heard that. I love those verses. But if you get on down to verse 17, the last verse, this is what David said. He was the king of Israel. He said, I am poor and needy, but thou thinkest upon me. The Bible says this of Saul, when he was small in his own eyes, God used him in a great way. You see, we can't, we can't worry about our image, what people think of us, but we need to keep a humble, humble. He says, let him that thinketh, he standeth. Take heed lest he fall. In verse 12, there's a possibility. He says, fall, fall. We must be aware that we can fall. Peter's told the Lord, Lord, I, I, he said, I'll die with you. I'll die with you. 
I'm not going to. He says, I am not. I'm not going to deny you. I'll die with you. And by the way, Peter was sincere. When he swung that sword, was it Malchus over there in Mark? He swung the sword. He wasn't trying to give him a, he wasn't giving, he wasn't trying to give him an ear removal. He's trying to give him a head removal. He wasn't aiming for the ear. He's aiming for the neck. Amen. That'd been interesting if he cut his head off and Jesus put it back on. But anyway, that's another story for another time. But Peter, do you believe that Peter was sincere? I believe he was. But within a few hours, he was cussing Jesus and taking oaths against him. There's an examination, verse 13, there's an exhortation to live by. Therefore hath no temptation take you, but such is common to man. The first thing about this ex exhortation to live by is we need to always be mindful of the commonness. And that is a word. I looked it up four or five times. Commonness of temptation. Temptation is common to man. What that means is, despite how I feel, it's not, I'm not the first one to be tempted by it, and I won't be the last one to be tempted by it. When we're tempted, the devil wants us to think, oh, I've got, this is worth, nobody's ever had this like this, nobody's ever experienced. But the truth is, it's common to man. And that's, and, and, and that's even more reason for us to be kind to one another. Because everything you're going through, they've gone through. Everything they are going through, you're going to go. We're all going through the same things. Right. The commonness of temptation. How are we tempted? The Bible says that it's the, in, in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, for that all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the proud life is not the fire but the world. That's what we're tempted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. How did the devil tempt Adam and Eve? With the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How did, how did Satan tempt Jesus? With the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's how he tempts us. When it comes to the flesh, we must, there must be flight, run. That's why the Bible says flee fornication. Do as Joseph did, leave your coat and run. Our flesh cannot be trusted. It must not be followed. If our flesh begins to cause us to want to tempt us, that's why if you have a, if you are, if there's a weakness, you better run from it. You can't have enough safety nets for your flesh. You can't have enough firewalls. You can't have enough protection. There's, you can never be too accountable when it comes to your flesh. Amen. It got quiet, but it's the truth. Maybe y'all got different flesh than I got. Anyhow, I could say a lot, but the world, how do we overcome the world? By faith. 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. We must believe God when it comes to the world. It looks like the world's doing pretty good. But we got to have faith that there's another world Amen. that we can't see. The devil, we must fight. Resist the devil. Too many of us throw in the towel before the fight ever starts. I mean, when it comes to the devil, all he's got to do is go, boom. And we just, I'm not saying that we ought to shake our fists. I mean, I'm not, if he's around here, and I'm sure he's somewhere in here, I'm not asking you to come and give me a problem. I'm not saying that. But <laughs> I am saying this, we must resist him. We must resist him. Our confidence in God, the commonness of temptation, but the confidence of God in God, he says God is faithful. Did you know that every temptation has one purpose? It's to weaken your faith in God. Right. Every temptation is an attempt to shake our confidence in God. Why is that? 
Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So Brother David, if Satan can shake my faith in God, he can make it where my life is not pleasing to God. And there's nothing he wants more than to cause God displeasure. So we must have God is faithful. We need to remember that when we are tempted, that when we are tempted, and listen, temptation can be mental, emotional, physical, whatever. When we are tempted, we need to understand that despite how hard it may be, how rough it may be, how overwhelmed we may feel, God is still faithful. Amen. Amen. God is always faithful. He has been faithful. The same God that has brought us to it can bring us through it and we can have victory. Our confidence in God. The last thing is our conquest over sin. Verse 13. He says God's faithful in verse number 13. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able to bear. That you're able. But that's why if you say, well, I just couldn't resist. No, that's a lie. There's no temptation that He's going to allow you to be tempted above that you're able. I know, I know you probably read that or heard that in some TV preview, but I'm just telling you that's a lie. It says, but will that with that temptation also make a way of escape? So you got that, the devil coming from this way with the temptation, brother, brother, brother David. And you got God coming. He's giving us a way. He's coming the other way. But now listen, and I'm done. I know y'all don't believe me, but I am. The thing is, if we want to get out, we got to look for the way out. I can remember this when I was 16, going on 17, that period of my life. I can remember as a teenage boy running from God, Brother Aaron, every single time. And I wish I could say that I, 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 I took the way of escape, but there was always a way. There'd be a phone call. There'd be, I'd see, you know, going to do something you shouldn't do, and there's my daddy at the gas station getting gas, and I'm swerving, ducking down, trying to... Or there was always, there was always a way of escape. So when we're tempted, we need to know, why. have you ever thought, why does God even allow temptation? Wouldn't life be easier with no temptation? But how, listen, if we were never tempted... We can never be overcomers of temptation. You understand? Without battle, there can be no victory. And so, how do we have victory? We must look for the way of escape. There's always a way of escape. Last year, me and Kim, a couple of the couples of church, we went up to that uh, the Great Escape, and uh, the women messed it all up for us. We... The men, we had it all figured out. We had the clues put together. And they started yin, 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 murmuring. And they messed us up. We didn't, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm still hurt about it. We didn't get out in time. I mean, it was crazy. They had some type of laser set up like James Bond. You know, you had to gold duck under them. But, but the whole thing, Brother Larry, was is they had these clues. You had, and, and, you know, if you just went in that room and sat down for an hour, guess what? You just wasted 20 or 30 bucks for nothing because you're not getting out. And, and being the competitor I am, I didn't, I mean, I was, I was, I was trying to ply the drywall, scrape the dry, looking for a clue, um, prying the floors out. There's got to be a clue. I wanted to win. I wanted to get out. But listen, when it comes to temptation, we've got to be more, 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 more diligent. 
saying, there's got to be a way I can get out of this. There's got to be a way I can escape. It's got, listen, it might be a phone call. It may be fall on your knees and pray. It may, I mean, whatever it is, there is a way. God will send somebody. He'll allow something. He'll give you a way. There, there, you can never go into sin and, and succumb to temptation and say, I had no choice. There is always a better option. 